it is time to tune up the band. And gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior. Fuck it. It's time for another Sweet Chinwag podcast. I'm Sam, joined as ever by Reardon and Dad. Hello there, gentlemen. Once hey, again, up. you enjoy yourself a bit too much, your indulgences, Sam. Yes, I mean, I do, I do, I do a much better meme, Gene, but right now I just wanted to get it, I just wanted to get it out quickly. <laughs> fair enough, that's fair enough. <laughs> so you don't have to have that, you know, that air of disappointment in me when I get to it again. Oh, bold of you to assume that I'm not always disappointed in you. <laughs> that's kind of the mood with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's pretty damn actually yeah should we say should we say yes we, we give this podcast to you free of charge thanks to those lovely people over at sam cloud cloud we do that very Bending quickly trade please, before i start crying um <laughs> we, don't, we don't need you anyway we don't need you anyway we'll make our own podcast streaming site even pending better. pending trademark merch coming soon no, don't 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 take me on that please on pro, on, po, on pro wrestling tees obviously if we can pro wrestling tees <laughs> <laughs> The most important thing in life, merchandising. No, official merch from redbubble.com. <laughs> no, I, I'm not sure we could do better than that. Teespring at the very least. <laughs> We're not animals there. <laughs> so before we go off on this tangent of, of merchandise, and uh, before we kick off the main portion of this episode, which is best botches, it is time to... Wheel it on over to Dan for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 dun. Wrestling news. Uh, obviously, there's a whole lot to cover mm. uh, <laughs> from last time that we uh, we did our last episode. Uh, so we'll just start off at uh, the horror show at Extreme Rules. And <laughs> as these two will know, I had some very outspoken opinions about the entire show <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. on first watching. And I'll be honest, uh, I wasn't particularly impressed, but I've I've come back. I've looked at it with a different set of eyes, and I don't hate it as much. <laughs> it's like the movement of like being like, oh, I retract my review of a two out of ten and give it a four. Um, it's probably the did, best. Like, we've sent you as uh, we've sent when he did that review of Senua, and he gave it a one out of ten because the game broke. <laughs> like. That's probably that's probably the best analogy of it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm gonna say this: uh, reaction to the swamp match was mixed. Mm. Some people loved it, some people hated it. I'm just gonna say, as a vehicle for the feud, I like it. Mm. As a piece of like horror media, which everything with Bray Wyatt is deeply indebted to. I like it. <laughs> In the context of the pay-per-view, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. If it, if it was its own thing, I'd probably be all for it. But because it came uh, as part of the pay-per-view and was the last event that you watched <sighs> in it, felt kind of confusing. <laughs> but it's there to build the kind of three faces or three phases of Bray style of build that we've got, so we're probably going to have The Fiend versus Braun Strowman, I assume, at SummerSlam. I mean, I'm just wanting to see Bray Wyatt's dude love character, basically, now, so... Well, Bray... I always said, do you not think that's just the Firefly Funhouse character? Crud. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's, no. That, 
That's as best as we got. <laughs> the Firefly Funhouse is the Love Shack. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Yeah, now I'm now, now my, my, my viewpoint and everything's changed. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I just want to see more of The Fiend. These guys know I love The Fiend. Mm. I love, like, old hokey horror shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, however they want to go with that, fine by me. Also, just letting w- uh, like WWE, letting all the fans know that they never have uh, have good things, is that they wanted Liv Morgan to be Sister, a- Sister Abigail, but uh, nah, 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 they'll just put it on Alexa Bliss, it'll be fine. <laughs> well, it it depends on the way they're trying to do it, because I've gone on, I've got, I've joined the group of people that are like, it's just like, Sister Abigail is just like a woman that you trust or that you hold in high regard. It could be literally anyone, depending on the person. Yes. They just chose Alexa Bliss because they're going to act like, oh, yes, Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman. Remember Mixed Match Challenge? No one and does. That's, no one <laughs> and that's like, that's like their vehicle to be like, look, there's reason for it. They used to be together on that. And so that's why she appears. And things like that although there are some people that are like oh no bliss is now going to be sister abigail but i i think it's just meant to be like a I, as, I, I, as i said wrestling needs more spooky shit yeah i've like kind of like that by that logic does that mean that like everyone's mum is our own personal sister abigail is that how it works well like i assume i assume if it was going to be like i mean to be fair considering they did the match with john cena it could probably then end up being uh, Nikki Bella, or if it was Dolph for Dolph Ziggler, it would be like half the locker room. <laughs> just sister Amy Schumer, the actually, it would be. The legion of sister Abigails for Dolph Yeah, Ziggler. just like five different women pass by. Crumbs, that would be the real horror show Extreme Rules if it was Dolph Ziggler and sister Abigail was Amy Schumer. But, um... You know, that's 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 the vehicle I'm going down. There are some people mm. who are like, oh yeah, it's definitely her, or that they're gonna end up retconning Liv Morgan. As far as I know, Liv Morgan just exists in stasis until they decide to make Ruby Riot reform Riot Squad. Like the Winter Soldier. Like literally just there waiting until they like pull the trigger on it. <laughs> I mean, at least um, Ruby Riot got a win a couple of weeks back, so I'm happy with yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Um. We have new tag champs in uh, Nakamura and Cesaro, and I'm just going to say their promo afterwards uh, on, I believe it was SmackDown. It may have been Raw. I don't know. I can't try to... I should remember this shit because I watched it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was pretty good, and they were just like straight up just gloating to the camera, and I'm like, yes, I need more of this, please. Also, why haven't you pulled the trigger on these guys in singles competition? Come on, WWE, listen to us! <laughs> I, I'm, ah. I, I have... I have zero hope with Nakamura and even less with Cesaro with pulling the trigger single. Well, it's it's a thing I'm going to get back to when I come to the review of Monday Night Raw. But um, <laughs> there's there's been comment there's been comments made. Uh, we have we pretty much have the stage set for the Bailey Banks feud, even though they seem to be acknowledging that that, that like Extreme Rules basically never existed. <laughs> Uh, on SmackDown, and they're like, "Hey, they're the best of friends." And I just assume it's going to be because uh, we'll get to the match later. But the the match, the finish, the match was great. People said it was like an NXT match with a WWE finish. Hmm. It was also convoluted and made no sense, and just really devalued the rest of the match. Yeah. 
Like it, you, it's hard to believe that you could make something so good and ruin it in such one fell swoop. But then again, that's kind of been the theme of twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna clip that and put that on our socials for the uh, as the preview of the next episode. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, but, that hurt but, a lot more than I thought it would. But like, it, they like everything was going fantastically, great competitive match, and then they decide to have. Uh, a ref getting the green mist, a ref bump, Bailey stealing the ref shirt and doing the count, Sasha Banks just stealing the title, and it just making no sense. So we also had we oh uh, yeah sorry. Wait 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 wait. So what you just so if you just steal a ref shirt, you automatically get ordained the powers of the referee. Don't like, worry. Is it like a Green Lantern ring? Like, is that how it works? You just... Don't worry. We're going to get to that when we get to Raw. <laughs> if he be worthy, <laughs> you can get um, the power of the referee. <laughs> there was there was the, the godforsaken eye for an eye match. I'm just going to say oh, this. Yeah. They should have just made it an eye quit match. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It would have done exactly the same purpose. There are about four spots where Rey Mysterio drove Seth Rollins' eye into like the corner of the announcer's table, but that wasn't enough because his eye didn't come out. Um, I was hoping for that. that like, like pop. <laughs> we had we had we had some lovely practical effects eye that Rey Mysterio was holding like in front of his mask. Uh, Seth Rollins then threw up on the outside of the ring. That was interesting. I mean, um, there's there's one way to get rid, uh, or or kind of of get rid of Ray Mysterio. This is certainly one way, not the best way, but this is certainly one way to get rid of him. I mean, and then there's the whole thing that apparently Ray Mysterio has been like wrestling without a formal contract and he's just been doing on like a paper match basis. I see. So, I see his friendship with Conan has taught him well. So I have again no idea what basis any of this is working on. There was the Ziggler McIntyre championship match, and I'm just gonna say this: the premise was interesting, if a little bit overly complicated. Mm. But all it did was make Dolph Ziggler look like the biggest jobber ever. Yeah, and with the history these two have, it just seems like that was it seemed wasted. That really wasted, actually. More so like, than usual with Ziggler. I mean, we've talked about Ziggler so many times like, on this. Uh, I mean, again, I, I am all, I am all for finisher protection, <laughs> which they are definitely finally doing with the Claymore because they recognise how important it is to do for mm-hmm. him. Mm. But Ziggler just got made to look like a complete idiot because he tipped the scales all the way in his favour and still lost. Mm. <sighs> like. Honestly, they've just made it go to the whole thing. And now loads of wrestling fans were at the time were just memeing it and just being like, oh, it's a championship match. But like, <laughs> if you leave the ring, then I win. If you touch me, I win. If you if you do anything, if you use the claim or you get DQ'd and I win the title. <laughs> but we had all of that. And then we came to the Raw uh, afterwards. All right. So... You mentioned people who seem to be missing something. And we get to Alistair Black versus Seth Rollins. 
which was a really good match because yeah. Alistair Black is great and Seth Rollins is a good worker. I mean, he's got good wrestling skill. He's kind of, I would argue, lacking in other areas. His last um, one. <laughs> <laughs> this came out at the same time afterwards that apparently Vince McMahon doesn't want to push Alistair Black because he feels that he is missing something, which was the same comment that he said about Cesaro. As well as Ricochet, as well as Cedric Alexander. As... What is it? I would, I would like to echo the point that most of the uh, IWC have been saying, you could say the same about Seth Rollins, yet he still gets pushed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, missing, missing something is like, first of all, missing what? Second of all, if he was missing something, isn't that something that should have been ironed out in, you know, developmental? That thing you guys do? <clears throat> so I, you, if they're missing something, they don't miss it when they get moved I, up to the main I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, I guess, I, I assume what they mean is they're talking about his promos and his, his talking. Which I could admit may come off a little bit stale but i would argue two but i would argue two things though mm. one his character works best when he's completely silent and yes. it's just a straight up enforcer that goes around and wrecks house absolutely and b if you want an intense character who's going to be a silent enforcer and destroy house you do you work on a reductive basis yes and make it more important when he actually speaks exactly you know like, like if you're actually trying to build someone uh, exactly how they did it in NXT. Like one of the very few times, one of the very first times he talked is when he said to the Velveteen Dream, "Enjoy infamy," because that's that's just that's a thing that people know. Like both of you guys have worked in like around in film and media, and you you know the importance of that with a character. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes. Actions speak louder than words. And booting someone round the face without talking can be a pretty impressive thing. I, I mean, maybe, maybe when they get the crowds back, this will change because obviously people react to things completely differently than when they're working in this isolated bubble. Yeah. But, um, you know, things are things are happening there. Uh, we had the return of Mustafa Ali. Absolutely love it. He was great. They did a fantastic spot with. Uh, Ricochet and Alexander trying to do moves to Bobby Lashley, catches both of them, and he's like staring directly in the eyes, and then Mustafa Ali comes in like a fucking homing missile uh, through the ropes and then like launches Bobby Lashley into the announcement table. It was a fantastically done spot, great camera work. Mm. Well, wait, that, that's disturbing to hear. Great camera work. That's <laughs> I know, it was literally, you don't even see it coming, and then you just see a man in like black and like neon blue come through and just like like a fucking dart come through and just spike Bobby Lashley in the chest. Yeah. It was honestly really impressive. Wow. Um I would say Ricochet and Alexander really need to be doing something but I hope that they figure out something to do with this whole thing with Mustafa Ali. I, do, I hopefully they're not going to try and make some kind of cruiserweight stable. Um, but if they're going to have them working with MVPs, Stable, uh, The Almighty, I believe they're called, uh, then that could be great. Mm. Okay, I, I gotta say, just called The Almighty is a damn good stable name. Oh, hell yeah. It, it's great. It is honestly fantastic. Mm. 
we have the confusing matter of Shelton Benjamin being 24-7 champion now, but... Because that really gives legitimacy to Shelton Benjamin, a man who probably is... Like, I don't think most people wouldn't doubt he is legitimate at all. So the, the, again, as we have reiterated, the man who gave us the sweetest chin music. Yes. He's fine. You know what? It brings up that interesting... I don't know if you guys saw it, but that really interesting tweet someone said about um, Shelton Benjamin that said, I think it was about if... If WWE weren't so prejudiced about against black people, Shelton Benjamin would have been the guy years ago. Probably. Oh yeah, no, that's true. He has charisma. I've, 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 I've always, I've, I've always said that like with Shelton Benjamin, he felt like a person who was around at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if and, like... and also he got moved to the weird WWE CW, and that just like killed the momentum on him. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if when I... he um, left for Raw when the world's greatest tag team split up, I went back to watch a couple of those matches to see if that, you know, if that had some substance, that tweet. Yeah, he was over as absolute heck. And I mean, when I no, said over, loved he was properly people loved over. Him. People loved him, and he was great. I remember, like, the whole gold standard thing. Mm. Mm. And then there was, it eventually got moved to WWE, CW, and was just kind of there doing nothing, and it was a real shame. Part of me um, that wants him back in New Japan, because <laughs> he yeah. was doing really great stuff for Shelton X Benjamin. <laughs> Um, now I'm gonna throw in a line that may be quite controversial. <laughs> okay. Uh, there was the Street Profits versus uh, Andrade and Angel Garza. Mm. Now I'm gonna say this: Montez Ford might have one of the best-looking frog splashes. Oh, oh, oh. oh man. I'm not going to say it's the best, but I'm probably going to put it top three. It's going to be at three. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. Because, holy shit, <laughs> the height and the fact that he does the rotation, he gets all of that. Yeah, I'd say he's up there with... with, with... It was honestly... I, I'm amazed at, like, I bypassed this, like, I completely bypassed it. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's up there with Eddie's and Rob's, I think, certainly. Eddie for form, uh, Rob for, like, pure distance, because Rob would, like, launch himself, like, across the ring to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, and I don't care what anybody says, the lowdown was not a great frog splash. I don't care what anyone says. I mean, it was, I mean, it was amazing to see a guy of his size do like the splits in midair, but still, I don't think the lowdown was a great looking frog splash. Controversial again. Would you argue that Leo Rush did it better than Dealer? Yes. <laughs> okay. So remember when I mentioned that like WWE like like retconning stuff. Mm. Okay, so we get to the weird situation of Oscar and <laughs> Sasha Banks. Now, Sasha Banks has the title. She's holding it. She's not champion, as, as cleared up by Stephanie McMahon. But apparently, because she didn't win, Oscar isn't the champion either. Position is uh, nine-tenths of the law, apparently, and Stephanie McMahon <laughs> is the one um, who did start the women's evolution, so thus has the title. So... Now, this is completely disregarding what we understand from title rulings because, hey, if you get DQ'd, the title goes is held by the champion, champion's advantage. Hmm. Yeah. 
established rule in wrestling across promotions. For years. I just can't for the life of me understand where this has come from. <laughs> I I I this is don't understand it. This is as, as I as I as I will mention later, I'm gonna have to chalk it up as another title for the greatest wrestler of all time, competing over hundred thirty years over seventy four titles vacant. <laughs> the most dominating champion in all of wrestling. Um but I mean, and then again, as we've mentioned before, this as we understand, this led to Kyrie's last match with the company. As we know, she's not going to be competing <sighs> anymore with them. Um, I don't know if she's going to be around for next week's Raw, mm. um, when they have Oscar in another match with Sasha Banks, or how that's going to work. But as we understand it, she's wrestled her last match with the company. We don't understand the role, the role that she's going to be taking if she's seeking um, an ambassadorial and an advisory role for WWE in Japan. Mm. Or if she's going to go back to like uh, Joshi promotions, like maybe Stardom or something like that. Yeah, it, It's kind of unclear right now. God, did they mess this up. They, it, most of the IWC would echo exactly what you're saying right yep. now. Just... Except, except for the Sasha and Bailey stands. Just what a mess! What a mess! She was just so great. I have again. Talent, one of the most greatest, beautiful, most brutal el- elbows that I've ever seen in my life. Mm. How do you? It's a real. How do you fuck this up? How? How do you do that? By not giving someone the proper attention they deserve. Oh mm. man, it's just a... I'm not even like... <clears throat> normally with this kind of stuff, you guys know me, I'm upset. Mm. With this one, I just... I need someone to tell me. Again, I... It, it's just... I've always been it, to say, I need someone to hold, because I feel the exact same way for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so confusing, and I have no idea how we got to this point. Yeah. Um... Moving ahead to the next show in this week, uh, NXT, and chalk it up again, number 75 for Vacant, 76 even for Vacant, as Keith Lee vacates the uh, North American title. Mm. Um, I assume they're doing this just as a protective thing, because he can't really lose, so just have him vacate. Um, Arguably, it does kind of devalue the North American title, but I'm sure someone will be there around to bring it uh, back up to strength. Obviously, we had the number one contenders match between uh, Gargano Strong and uh, Bronson Reed, uh, which was a really good match. As I said uh, before when we started, the the chains between Roderick Strong and Johnny Gargano are fantastic. They're pulling off some amazing moments, Uh, really letting the action do the talking. Uh, Happy for Bronson Reed to get the win. Mm. Um, I definitely feel like he needed it. Um, I don't know if I would have said I, I would have expected him to be the one who gets the num gets number contender spot, but obviously we have Finn Balor coming in as well, who says he wants to go for the title. And again, when he's in NXT, he probably needs a title. <laughs> so that uh, will be, if that's the case of where they're going with it for for Takeover, I would really like to see Bronson Reed versus Finn Balor. Yeah, no, I I absolutely I'd absolutely love to see it, um, and I think they're doing really well. At, rebuilding the strength for the North American title. Mm. Uh, other than that, though, I mean, the 
one of my regular highlights catching up with uh, NXT is seeing Breezango. I never <laughs> thought I'd actually like them as much as I do, but they're honestly one of the most entertaining things on NXT right now. Yeah. Honestly, honest to God, I have been a um, I've been a Fandango mark for ages, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll I'll be honest, when Fandango first arrived, I was not sold on him. Mm. Oh, I absolutely was. I absolutely. I I have this weird. <laughs> I will I will admit this. I have this weird thing when it comes to a dark gimmick wrestler. I don't know why, but every single time come hella high water, I'm like I'm sold. Like Fandango yeah. sold, No Way Jose was my boy. <laughs> yeah, was my just, boy. There's just when... something about it, I don't know. It's stupid, but I love him. Just when 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 he when he, when he first came around wasn't really sold wasn't really big on uh, Tyler Breeze either but now that they've come back to NXT I have to say I find them incredibly entertaining love watching their matches um, it just made me realise how good Fandango really is in the ring yeah like yeah. it's kind of, it, I, it feels surprising to me but I don't know why because I don't know why I would ever doubt it how good he was mm. um, but like I said just fantastic to see and there uh, we had Dexter Loomis in a match against Killian Dane I'm not going to talk through the build up to that match because it makes <laughs> no sense at all and it's just so confusing but, which, uh, my, which in sense makes the most sense for a character like Dexter, Dexter Loomis <laughs> it does but when you realise that the build up basically doesn't involve him yep. at all yep. <laughs> it makes it even more confusing that this match existed but he got the win um, and I'm super happy for it. I love Dexter Loomis. Need more of him. Yeah. Uh, we need more Timothy Thatcher. Yes. Um, and we need him pushing for a title because you want to give a title legitimacy, give it to him, and he will show you everything. Uh, surprise pin finish that I actually liked. What? Yes. Yeah. Because it because it wasn't just a stupid distraction roll up. It actually looked. Te- it was actually technical. Hmm. It actually looked like it required some skill and didn't just come out of nowhere to provide a convenient finish. It showed Thatcher as the better technical wrestler. Yep. Damn. And when you're giving when you're giving a guy that direct gimmick, that that's his selling point. Hell yeah, go for it. Just ah oh man, like Timothy, Timothy man, you just you're just making my argument as to why like technical catch wrestling is my favorite for style of wrestling. It's making making me valid basically. Yeah. Uh, to end NXT we had the uh, Dijakovic uh, cross match it was basically a glorified squash match Mm. but I mean I love Dominic Dijakovic he was fantastic had a load of great moves got good offense in cross came out with the win after uh, completely destroying what looked like completely destroying Dominic Dijakovic's head uh, great, great moment where Dijakovic turns to Cross and says like you're not Keith Lee, and then end up getting lobbed into the stairs. Cross says you aren't either, hmm. uh, which is really good. Uh, See, that's how nice you do a li- stair spot. I'd like nice to, to, nice to actually have like a little bit of match psychology in the match for once, and not just have things happen because. <laughs> um, but it was great, and then we had. Um, Keith Lee come out later towards the end and then see uh, Karrion Cross put on his finisher the submission mm. uh, tear him down, fantastic great build for the feud, excited to see where it goes 
Uh, as our final little bit of NXT, not speaking about uh, the match itself, but uh, one person who's become very prominent on it and started to build her profile, Tegan Knox. Uh, has chosen to come out and uh, the reaction has been very heartwarming and we absolutely love and support it. Absolutely. So happy. So happy for her. Fantastic to see. Fantastic that she has the place and the comfort to say that and feel supported and also that uh, it it exists in its own context now and we're kind of like, yeah, it's really good to see her being moved up and given that place of prominence it's nice to see now that that company now has a lot more people that are now proud or brave enough now to actually be able to come out like sonia deville uh we now have tegan knox uh jay catless Uh, there's a number of other uh people as well that names escape me but no it's nice to finally see people that can actually be comfortable enough to go oh you know what screw it I'm just going to say I am what I am, and if if it happens, it happens. But no, the fact that WWE have seemingly been very positive about it is 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 nice to see for once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, moving to SmackDown, and uh, we're actually going to start with the SmackDown main event here, the Hardy versus Sheamus bar fight, <laughs> uh, which I have to say worked surprisingly well and was surprisingly well handled. It still feels, it feels, it still feels weird in the context, Mm. but I have to say it was surprisingly well done and it felt surprisingly natural. The two of them had great chemistry working together. Uh, We've now established that Jeff Hardy has the ability to sense all ladders in a 100 meter radius of himself. (laughs) Um, because he was able to find a ladder just in a room that was by the bar that clearly led from a blank corridor that looked like it was the backstage of WWE, but I'm not going to say that. Um, but it was, I mean, it was great. Uh, Jeff Hardy took a really rough-looking bump when he got thrown into a drum kit. <laughs> um, it looked painful. I don't know how you could ever soften that. Um, but, I mean, it was great. And then we had the, the really weird reveal with Seamus putting the hat over his face and then taking it off and he came back with the face paint. I don't really get it. I feel like there was probably another way you could have handled that, but he's now brought his uh, brother Nero character to WWE, which I believe we only previously saw in Impact uh, in his time with uh, his brother Matt there. Uh, so interested to see what that means in the context of everything else. Um, and where Jeff Hardy's even going to try and take this. Yeah, yeah. It's just a shame that he doesn't have his other broken brother with him, really, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, clearly he must be broken in some way, because he decides to do a swanton off a ladder onto concrete, but... Hey, that's probably the most tame he's ever done a swanton off of something. Let's be honest, it is Jeff, after all. That is that true. Is true. <laughs> he, he's getting on in years, you know, he's not doing everything now. I assume, I assume his spine's completely shattered after he did the twist of hate to Seamus, so he landed ass first onto concrete. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and he complains about doing leg drops and pulls that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had the Bray Wyatt build pretty much completely confirmed that it's going to basically it's basically been three faces of Bray. It's going to be the Fiend versus Braun Strowman in some capacity at some event. I assume SummerSlam, because that's the next thing that's coming up. Um, 
again, excited, more Bray, more Fiend. I couldn't be happier <laughs> if they're using Braun as a transitional champion to get the title over to Bray. All for it. Cool. I mean, the same. Like, I mean, because let's be honest, guys, he should never have lost it to begin with. But I digress. He never should have lost it to Oldberg, but we move. We move um, on. Uh, we have the very confusing match of <laughs> Grand Metalik versus AJ Styles for the IC title next week after the four, the Daniel Bryan's four-way number one contenders match for the IC title. That took my brain a moment to process. <laughs> Between <laughs> Grand Metalik, Shorty G, a.k.a. Chad Gable. I refuse to call um, him Shorty G. He's Chad Gable to me. He'll always be Chad um, Gable. Lindsay Dorado and Drew Gulak. <laughs> um, and I mean, Grand Metalik got the win. I can't see him getting the title from AJ Styles, but if they want to pull the trigger on Grand Metalik, I guess they will. I mean, it's about um, four years too late. It's um, very confusing because, I mean, basically Daniel Bryan, I guess, decided that four cruiserweights were going to have a number one contenders match for the IC title and that was just that <laughs> mm. um, I don't know it's there uh, we are hopefully hopefully getting a big E singles push and can I just say big E for the blue universal title there is literally no downside <laughs> yep none that I can think of I don't trust them I don't <laughs> I don't trust them, but there's literally no downside to them doing it. Yeah. No, 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 I agree. But I just, just don't trust, trust them. <laughs> yeah, I don't trust them either, but I I hope for it. I am going to briefly mention the absolute heat, the absolute heater into the bottom corner of the of the pitching box that uh, Kofi Kingston threw. Mm -hmm. Don't let them deny you for a decade to oof. Ooh. <laughs> I'm amazed you got given permission to say that. Somehow but... I don't think he did. I feel like that was kind of like a Bruce Pritchard going he, or he, going. He, you could say he anything just you knew want. he was get he just knew he was getting six like six weeks off <laughs> <laughs> and was just like, Yeah, screw it, I'm just gonna say it. Oh screw but, it, I don't um, have to risk my health anymore, so I can say whatever the hell I want. But like I mean if you wanna get on the nose about it, but like Big E singles push. It'll probably, I think it'll be his first singles title since he held the IC title uh, forever ago in like 2013. Yeah, crumbs, yes. <laughs> and all I'm just going to say is, like SpongeBob, I need it. <laughs> I need it. Yeah. Um, now, now the question is, how long is it going to take for Xavier Woods uh, to get his singles push, and then all of them, and then just to just to fully get the brass rings on all of them? It depends when his knee decides to work. It depends on when Kenny Omega decides to come to WWE. No, gosh, <laughs> <laughs> if that um, happens, I will. They're to destined to do this forever. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'll eat my hat, but I'll have to eat something. <laughs> um. We had WWE acknowledging the hashtag Naomi deserves better, and I'm just going to say this. I agree with most people. Um, a lot of the reaction has been negative towards the, I'm going to say, movement, as I air quote. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I I would argue that she definitely deserves to be, um, you know, in the group. That are maybe not necessarily constantly challenging for titles, but, you know, getting number one contenderships and looking into that kind of space. I don't think she deserves to be a lower mid-carder. Mm. I'm like, 
I'm like anyone with as awesome a theme song as Naomi deserves <laughs> to, to get anything and everything she wants. I mean, hell, she got Feel the Glow way over with the fans, so. Oh, I've just, like, every time, I'm every time it still works for me. Like, like I said, I like dark skin. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, like I said, I, I'm in full support of the movement and all the fans saying stuff. It has been quite disheartening for me to read a lot of the negative comments. I'm air quoting again if you mm. can't catch my drift as to yeah. the nature of the negative comments. Yeah. Um, but I I definitely think that she could take a, a, a higher place spot in the in the card. Absolutely. Doesn't necessarily have to be given a title. Mm. But I would like I would like to see it. She's held it before. Um but definitely, you know, I would say around the number one regular like contender. Yeah. Up and uh, I would a lower lower high card, not necessarily up and mid card. Mm. And stop, and when you're doing elimination stuff, stop making her go out first. Yeah, stop. please. <laughs> um, in just the other bits of uh, wrestling news, SummerSlam will now no longer be taking place in Boston uh, due to fears regarding coronavirus and uh, the nature of logistics. No big surprise, uh, really. No big, no big surprise. I'm happy that they came to the sense to actually not even bother to try it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that you know, it's at least guaranteeing a level of safety for people, um, and also the talent as well. Uh, Adam Cole causing hell on the Pat McAfee podcast. I know lots of the IWC have been wrapped up in. Oh, was it a shoot? Was it a work? But oh, I know it's just. It's definitely a work. Like if if Pat Pat McAfee loves the wrestling business, wanted to be involved in it, um, and still does. He still still regularly says that he'd love to uh, perform on a show. Um, as a wrestler, and to be fair, I'd be interested in seeing it. Do you reckon they'd allow him to have the punt kick? <laughs> Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole for takeover, yeah. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is he was a punter, so it fits. Yep. I mean, they don't give it to Randy Orton. They're not going to give it to him. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I'm I mean, sorry, yeah. and, and this but... is speaking as someone who loves the punt kick. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was. It, I mean, it was great to see, and it kind of brought a few more eyes to wrestling. And it was nice to see Adam Cole doing something, um, mm. and just appearing on there and really letting his character shine. Um, the Motor City Machine Guns are new. The are the new Impact Tag Team Champions, and all I can say is hell yes, hell yeah. Um, I do just want to echo some of the IWC, which were uh, saying that. Uh, uh, Alex Shelley should have been at every single promotion and been a multiple time world champion at every single one, which is correct. Absolutely, yeah, 100% correct. <laughs> and it's been amazing to see how, because um, after watching this, I obviously went back and uh, watched a load of their older matches, and it's been fantastic to see how they've adapted to the changing world of wrestling and like the changing styles. Mm. And like they've now got a whole new tag team finisher they've got a whole new set of moves ready to work with it's been fantastic to see and it really shows why people hold them in such high regard absolutely absolutely it's just it 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 it, it pleases my little tna heart and when we were talking about like the rise and fall of tna and i'm i'm so happy to see slammiversary was a really good show like yeah for all intents and purposes uh slammiversary was really good it was such a surprise for me as well because everyone was thinking it was going to be 
the Good Brothers. Gallows and Anderson. And when it was the, the guns, I was, I was, I can safely say I was surprised and very happy to see them back. Yeah, no, it was fan- fantastic to have them there. So happy they're back, and I'm just always in awe at how good they are. Uh, and then the final little bit, uh, the debut of Eddie Kingston on AEW. We all love Eddie Kingston here. We all know exactly how good he is. He showed himself how good he is, and most wrestling publications uh, and members of the IWC were saying that they saw that and went, that's the contender for promo of the year. Oh, crumbs, yeah, was it? Like, if there's anything you should know about Eddie Kingston is that he cuts one hell of a promo. He is such a good promo guy, and that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt as to why he is such a good promo guy. Like, just... Um, unbelievable how good he is and how long he's been slept on. I'm hoping that AEW is going to give him the space uh, to really show off his talent um, and hopefully hopefully won't get stuck into the position that some are fearing will happen because of Cody where the TNT title becomes like in a, a mid-card full of indie wrestlers. <laughs> and I really hope that uh, Eddie gets moved all the way up into competing with the best because he deserves it absolutely absolutely and with that news is finished i know it's been quite a long one but uh we're done yeah, i think that i think that is a contender for the one of the longest news segments we've had there's a lot of shit that's been happening <laughs> <laughs> indeed there has been this week so without further ado it is time to get on to the main portion of the podcast this week it is best botches so what is a botch? For that, we go over to Riordan and his Pokedex. Botch. You botched it. You screwed it up. You messed it up. And there is a lot of different ways to botch in wrestling. <laughs> because wrestling is like dancing. And if you've ever danced, you know there's ways to screw it up. Badly. <laughs> Only you're not doing it holding someone's neck. Yes, this, this Look, I'm in the good. room. You can just mention me directly. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Dan, you, you dance so unsafely and you need to stop. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, you love, I love this because you go on to um, Urban Dictionary and there is many, many different, different descriptions of the term botch. Like a, a person who is annoying and has man boobs as apparently is what botch means, but no. Interesting. Botch, botch is to screw something up or to make a mistake, and I believe the origins of it may have come from baseball. I cannot be 100% sure. Probably. That would track. I'm not I'm not the biggest um, baseball lexicon guy, but that would make sense to me. <laughs> Same. But, um, no, for this week, we are going to talk about some of our favourite mistakes, mishaps, and general tomfoolery that happens when things don't go according to plan in the world of wrestling so there are ones that we can describe there are a few categories of botches but i think the ones we're probably going to focus on for this one are funny botches and kind of the quite small serious botches uh, that have happened in the world of wrestling now funny botches are a dime a dozen and we see them every week courtesy of matthew gregg over at botchamania thank you for so many years of consistently bringing out botchamania it fills my little uh <laughs> heart up every week full of full of laughter uh, especially with some of the memes that memes that have come up all out of botchamania like you talk too much 
uh, John Cena <laughs> talks too much. I am the table and uh, uh, <laughs> send in the man, of course, for Randy uh, Randy Savage. But um, let us start with let's go lighthearted with funny botches. So when you hear the term botch, or when you hear the terms of a funny botch, what is the first thing that kind of crops into your mind? Uh, Reardon, we'll start with you. Tin goddamn car. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Dear, okay. This is kind of a this is kind of like a, a mix of me for me with this one. I mean, can I just want to say this for the audience? If you want the most uninventive nickname that was ever given to a wrestler, he became known as Botch Kara. <laughs> That was an actual nickname that he was given. I was like, well, that's very creative. <laughs> Just, oh my god. Okay, so... To put Sin Cara's, the disappointment I had in that man into perspective, <laughs> this was um during the time where... This was just before Rey Mysterio went into Deep in the Jungle, got the heart-shaped herb and suddenly got control of his knees again <laughs> which was ridiculous it's i've had ridiculous. surgery five times in my left yeah. knee yeah <laughs> mr yeah if we're in that era Rey Mysterio <laughs> is great but also the 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 style he has made him very made he's like he's he, he's like me he's got knees made out of paper yeah and this was during that um paper knees era yeah but but lo and behold, out from the distance, there was a man. There was a man <laughs> in a beautiful Lucha Power Rangers-esque mask. Yep. Young, nimble, and his name was Sin Cara. And everyone in the IWC, every fan, thought, ah, excellent. We have the guy who, who they're going to, like, they're going to, you know, team up sometimes, and then they're going to yeah. have that big WrestleMania match. He's going to retire Rey Mysterio, and Sin Cara will be that guy do for you, us. Do you, do you want me to preface slash context all of this? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> all right, because uh, amazingly, I just happen to know all of this all the top of my head, because <laughs> I used to very much like Sin Cara. I was very much interested. Uh, Sin Cara was originally called, uh, I believe, Mystico. Uh, yes. when he competed in uh, Mexican Lucha uh, promotions. Uh, and obviously this was at the time around 2010, 11, mm. uh, when uh, facing the fact that Rey Mysterio was aging and regularly having injuries, uh, Vince Bookman basically got overcome with this obsession to tap into the Latin American market. So basically he was just like, I need to find a bunch of wrestlers from Mexico and have them compete in my promotion. Now, I'm just going to preface this for all the people and say, Sin Cara is huge in Mexico. Mm. He's one of the most well-regarded performers and will probably get inducted into the Mexican Wrestling Hall of Fame and probably the overall Wrestling Hall of Fame for his work. Uh, and so, obviously, he came to WWE. Huge thing. This was believed to be one of the biggest coups that WWE ever pulled off. You know, it would be like a team signing Cristiano Ronaldo on a free hmm. level hmm. of impressive. <clears throat> you know, people were stoked for this and were really wanted to know what he could do. 
There's a problem, though. <laughs> Mexico and the U.S. wrestle differently. They have a, a very fundamental difference. Uh, and it's the side that you take the headlock on. Mm. So I have to make sure... You might have to correct me on this, Sav, if you know. <laughs> but I believe... In Mexico, they do it on the right, and the US does it on the left? I believe so. And so, WWE's thought process was, well, he's good enough, he'll, he'll just, he'll learn it anyway, he'll get used to it, and didn't send him to developmental. Yep. <laughs> they basically just said, he'll learn on house shows. We'll stick him up against some talent who are decent enough workers, got good enough technicals and he'll just learn oh. uh, Reardon, do you want to continue the saga of what Sin Cara achieved? <laughs> achieved, what a word oh, that's my way of putting it <laughs> there's no other way to say it the man in WWE couldn't pull off a move safely to save his life he couldn't even pull off his, his entrance. Yep, on his debut match, he botched his own entrance. <laughs> the man looked like he was going to break his own neck multiple, just repeatedly. Uh, Raiden, uh, could you could you tell me what uh, his finisher was, by the way? <laughs> you know what, no, Dad, I'll let you do it. Uh, this was a man who they were having train on house shows, and I'd just like to make it known that his finisher was. And I'm going to. I'm going to make it very distinct here. His finisher was a Spanish fly. I'm not calling it an avalanche Spanish fly because a Spanish fly should always be from the top rope. Yep. Now, the Spanish fly is a difficult enough move to pull off. <laughs> it involves you literally doing a standing flip with another person off the top rope and you have to make sure you land this right because they have to land on their back if you mess this up they're landing on their head or they're landing yeah. on the small of their back yeah. this is not an easy move and they had a guy do this practicing house shows <laughs> <laughs> This is the same company that has banned pile drivers. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's basically the equivalent of if of doing a, do a pile driver while flipping and do it safely. <laughs> Have fun. Throw a knife up into the air and catch it by the blade. Yes. <laughs> Every time. Watch something, hurt someone, hurt himself. It, it was so disappointing to see. Every time. Oh uh, my god. Do you want me to continue the lore of Sinkara? Go ahead, man. Please. Oh okay, so Sinkara had become known for just botching constantly. Um, insert botch Kara here. Yeah. Uh, this is also to reference the fact of he had, in his first couple matches, he had gimmicky lighting, which lit the room in blue and oh gold, which, god, were, his, which god, were his outfit yeah. colors. Oh, yeah. And a distinct thing about this is uh, fans said they couldn't see what was happening. Which I feel was ever so slightly premonition. Um, but there's 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 a more interesting part here, 
which is that they obviously couldn't work with the mystico Sinkara, the one who was so well known in Mexico. But they wanted to keep the Sinkara character alive. <laughs> now they shouldn't have because the reputation was already tarnished. I didn't get say it didn't get even close to save until they had him working with Kalisto in like 2015-16. Yep. And that is like the I'm talking like you're trying to save someone from a well and you pull them maybe halfway <laughs> up. <laughs> I mean, we're not ta- you're not even taking into account the awful storyline of uh Sinkara Azul versus Sinkara Negro. So I was going to so I was just about to get to that. <laughs> Thank God you were getting to that. Which which is to try and save the character, they introduced a second Sinkara. Now, these are I know as Sinkara Azul or Negro. Uh, I know them as Sinkara Sinkara Mystico and Sinkara Unico. Yes. Uh, they were Unico called... Yeah, Unico was a, another wrestler who had been working for WWE, so some kind of some time they didn't really have anything for him. But he was well versed in uh, the lucha style. Uh, I've been performing in Mexican promotions for years. Like knew 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 the moves inside out and could pretty much do everything the original Sin Cara could. But he knew how to work the American style. And so, in a weird way to try and save it, they kind of had they had Unico Sin Cara come out and talk to. Mystico Sinkara and basically call him the fake Sinkara and that was why Sinkara was so bad despite the fact that everyone knew this was the original Sinkara <laughs> they knew that this was Mystico the guy that had been working Mexico for years and was one of the best workers ever mm. so basically it was completely tarnished and then eventually we got the Hunico Sinkara as the true Sinkara, and then eventually end up working with Kalisto and Lucha Dragons until they were like, "Yeah, we need to bin this character now." So yeah, when I yeah. think of Bosch, I think Sinkara. Not because like, and when you put it out like that, it's like a botch on every single level. Like, oh, it was um, it was it was a mess on every single level. So when we talk about botches, I'm going to mention my favorite specific Sinkara botch. <laughs> and I believe this was in an episode of SmackDown, and I believe he was wrestling Chavo Guerrero. Ah, yes. I think yes. I like I said, <laughs> his finisher was a Spanish fly, which is a difficult move to do. It takes a lot of kind of work to set up while setting it up you basically have to position yourself on the ropes and not the actual turnbuckle in the corner and you have to have the other person on the other ropes on the other side as well or you can have them in the middle but you need to be standing on the ropes so we're setting this move up which takes a lot of setup really honestly and he slips off <laughs> Now, he slips off and bumps to the outside. Now, the problem is, is he's trying to do his finisher. Chavo Guerrero has done nothing to him to warrant this. He has not thrown any punches. He has not done any moves to try and get him off balance and send him to the outside. He's just fallen off. (laughs) And so all you have is you have Chavo Guerrero just sitting on the top rope. And he knows he has to stay there. He can't come down now. 
because otherwise they'd have to reset the spot, which would make it look very clearly like they've messed something up, mm. which it already did by this point. <laughs> He's just sitting on the top rope. You have Sin Cara, who's fallen, is like kneeling on the outside, realizing he's fucked up, has to slide into the <laughs> ring, get back up, and then hit the Spanish fly. <laughs> May I add as well, in this same match, not only did they mess up a world or a crucifix head scissors, uh, yes. But also, Sinkara messed up a springboard backflip, like a feigned springboard. Yeah, that, silly, uh, gonna, yeah. that was the one I was going to mention afterwards. I, it was unbelievable. All in the same match. I remember that. Yeah. Oh my for God. for reference, the the springboard fake is a, is a real is a lovely sight to see. Basically, every single high flyer wrestler that does springboard moves does it. It's most probably most famously done by Will Ospreay. Yeah. Mm. But like it's 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 a thing to see, but it's basically like a standard thing. You look like you're gonna go for some kind of springboard move, you then do a hand do a do a handspring, come off the ropes, do a flip and then land and it all looks super like superhero-y. <laughs> and you're like standing in the ring and it's all like really cool and mystical. But I, correct me if I'm wrong, did he just like fall flat on his front? I think so. Yeah. Like he did like he like he did the handspring and did the flip, but instead of landing on like his feet and like or like landing in the superhero landing pose, he just felt like fell flat. <laughs> Pretty much. It's it's honestly just amazing. Uh, it's kinda crazy to think that out of that time that the two people we got out of that were Sin Cara and Alberto Del Rio, and Alberto Del Rio was the one that worked. <laughs> yeah. That is weird as hell, actually, now that you put it that way, yeah. I mean, it worked for the time being, but, you know, the less said about well, Alberto Del Rio now it tastes better. <laughs> yeah. All I'm going to say is that clearly Vince's idea to get to the Mexican market was bring in a Mexican heel that everyone hated, and that will clearly get Mexican people buying in. For a guy that did arm bars. Pretty much. <laughs> so that's my one, yeah. So, so I was gonna say, Dad, would you? I, I guess you said yours as well, or do you have a a, 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 uh, a moment that comes up, a feeling <laughs> that that evokes when you hear the word botch? I have a very specific person that comes to mind, much like Reardon did. Uh, what I want you to do is. I want you to cast your mind back many, many episodes ago, all the way back in episode one or two. Uh, And I want to mention a certain person that I have spoken of again when we, a couple of weeks ago, when we spoke about TNA. Hmm? Mr. Botch Steiner. Oh. And just, there's not really a whole lot to say. I mean, he became known as Botch Steiner, Scott <laughs> Steiner for the uninit- uh, for the uninitiated, uh, the Canadian maths professor himself, uh, the man who thought wearing chainmail and sunglasses was a good idea. Um, but there's not really a whole lot to say. There's so many individual ones, but just it's impressive how one man who's so physically strong could so consistently mess stuff up 
See, I, I to, 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 to explain that, I actually, I have to go back and actually, um, quote, of all things, um, Ishiro Honda of, um, Godzilla fame <laughs> to explain <laughs> what, what his problem is. And so, replace monsters with Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner is a tragic being. He is born too tall, too strong, too heavy. He is not evil by choice. That is his tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's just so much with Scott Steiner that I that I could really mention. I think the only one I'm really gonna call to mind is there was a phase where he loved doing the really big overhead belly-to-belly -belly suplexes. <laughs> it was during his WCW run, or one of, the, one of the later WCW runs. And like, eight, seven out of ten times he did it, it just didn't look safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also had a weird penchant for occasionally doing moves from the top rope. Never worked. Yeah, what the hell is he... As I said, he is born too tall, too strong, too heavy. What in God's name is he doing on the top row? I trust a big show more than I trust Steiner on the top row. No way. <laughs> and, like, this, and remember, big show used to do drop kicks from the top row for WCW. Oh, he used to. He used to. <laughs> um, I believe there was a time in WWE that he did a diving fist drop. Don't quote me on that. But I, believe I would so. believe it. I believe that. I think he did it from like the middle rope. Mm. Um, but like, there's there's just so many of his moves that he just used to regularly just mess up. But like again, for a lot of the time with Scott Steiner, he would kind of save it. Thank God, he. I mean, we're not even going to talk about the fact that he was the he was the person who did the Frankensteiner, wasn't he? Yep. And how often he used to do that and just swing his own head into the bottom turnbuckle. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like there was just so much that he used to do that was just a complete mess um, and the worst part is that the Frankensteiner is such a good move in oh I know who shouldn't have used it at all ever um, and it, there's just so many things and like we said the, the match he had with Triple H which was just a complete mess and just a, co a constant botch fest yeah um, Scott Steiner was like messing up even just basic suplexes. Every suplex looked like a brain buster. <laughs> yeah. yeah true. Um, every single power bomb looked like he lost control. Um, hell, even him doing like arm drags and clotheslines looked stiff as hell. Oof, yeah. There is one other person I do want to mention, uh, and I want to cast your minds back to uh, a time with. The Undertaker and a certain Mister, a certain Mister Bill Oldberg. Oh. Oh. Do we have to talk uh, about Crown Jewel have... again? <laughs> I don't want to have to talk about it, oh. but if we're talking about botches, we have to talk about that one jackhammer. Yeah, just the worst. Oh, it, man. The Jack Buster. Like, it was just a. It was just like awfully bad. Yeah. And like, and hearing about what happened backstage afterwards, it's like, yeah, that's how you know it's bad. Normally, you don't actually hear, like, you hear, like, you hear people go have heat, but you don't hear like 
no, straight after the match, they got into a fight because it was that bad. Yeah, it was just, it was just horrific and just, it was just like, yeah, maybe he shouldn't be competing. Yeah, and he just got. I, I do have one, a historically great bad botch, but I think I'll let Sam say his piece and then talk about it. Right. Yep. So, there are a few people that do come to mind, or there's a few, yeah, I'm going to say a few people that do come to mind when I think about the term botch. I'm going to bring them up. If we cast our minds back to uh, the last episode, and we did have a quite a, a quite a while dedicated to him, I can't help but associate the term botch with Titus O'Neil now. I'm sorry, yeah. Titus, but oh, <laughs> I think you've made a career Titus out of being the absolute... slide! <laughs> you've made a career out of being quite good at botches. Uh, that, that's a rare feat for someone to not only do yeah, botches, but impressive. someone to be good at doing botches. Because yeah. that's the funny thing. Because it's like, it's like um, there's a difference between botches and happy accidents. And he is... And, oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's the Bob and, Ross of WWE. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just the best. But that, that slide is honestly... It, honestly, it's so bad it worked. Yep. But the thing, the thing about it is that you can clearly tell it's a mistake, but it's so impressively done, you almost want to believe it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. like it, like it is, like it. it is crazy how he just got into like the perfect space to slide underneath the ring. And it's not like because it's like you know that that ring isn't like you know that bit isn't like like smooth. That yeah. must so hurt. like so mm. for like for, for reference for those that don't understand or don't know about WWE rings, like the the rings themselves basically stand on pillars and you have a, a metal frame around it. And there is like a space in between under which they'll keep things like, um, you know, cables for cameras and video feeds, uh, lighting. Because now in WWE they have the the ring posts have like uh, LEDs around them and stuff, LED displays, um, and various other bits. You know, like uh, cables for keeping the canvas tied down and whatever. Like that is not a clear space. No. He could have easily gone into either a steel pole or got entangled in a bunch of camera cables. But he went in perfectly and found like the perfect clear space. It's like they knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's went like he literally in, died for it. His body, his body went underneath and like most of his upper body and then just came out, looked up and then got eliminated. I will say though, he does have a great sense of humor about it and said that he was looking for Hornswoggle under there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give the yeah. guy credit. Give the guy his due. He knows how to uh, how to take it like a man and not be embarrassed yeah, yeah. by it, which is something yeah. I think is an admirable trait in the world of wrestling. Um, second person that comes to mind is Sabu, and when I mention Sabu, I mean his entire career. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, so, so when, so uh, I mentioned, I mentioned to the guys beforehand about like the little stuff that we were we were going to talk about. And don't worry, Sabu was going to come up, so I'm happy that <laughs> yeah. you mentioned Sabu. Yeah, yeah. I won't, but yeah, I'm glad because I was going to say because I be have here one, forever I talking have, about Sabu. I have a, I have a very, I have a very specific. Spot in mind, and I think it's the exact one that you're thinking of. I think I I believe so. So we will mention. I will I will leave you to mention that one for funniest. Um, right. And the third uh, one is modern day Brock Lesnar. 
and I know a lot. I know that might seem a bit controversial, but when you actually really think about it, the man does botch quite a bit. That's an interesting. You know what? Well, it's funny. I, I mean, do you, do you? Okay, this is gonna sound weird, but do you count going stiff as a botch? Do you want a Pokedex going stiff, um, ridden? Going stiff is uh, basically um, using the full force. Because, like, you know, a- like actually hitting someone. <laughs> yeah, like actually straight up uh, hitting a person. J- JBL at ECW One Night Stand. Oh, um, God. And, and uh, Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. Oh, yeah. That hit was disgusting. And to be honest, Braun Strowman slightly deserved it. Don't, don't oh, no. Mm-hmm. Braun Strowman definitely deserved it because he he was meant he was meant to knee him in the shoulder and just knee him on the top of his head mm. yeah and so Brock Lesnar proceeded to show him what a real knee looked like <laughs> and rock him badly which kind of shows you how bloody Dude, they, they, Brock Lesnar they, is they showed they showed the slow motion of when he punched him afterwards yeah like the skin around his head moves and like yes. his head stays in place <laughs> it's terrifying yeah. Uh Randy Orton also uh it also happened once with Randy Orton versus oh, someone because no. um yeah, Randy Orton did it to someone once where he did, he used to have his spot where he used to just stomp on every single part of someone's body and then he got really pissed off and actually stomped it. Yep. Uh, and he had a couple of ones where um people messed stuff up. And then there was another Brock Lesnar one where uh, I can't remember who it was, but he just straight up started elbowing them in the head until they bleeded. That's Randy Orton. That's that was that was the Randy Orton one. No, Randy. Yeah. So Randy Orton had one on someone, and then Brock Lesnar had one where he just straight up kept because Randy Orton was meant to bleed during the match, and rather than giving him time to, you know, do the do, do uh, and let it happen, Brock Lesnar got pissed off at him because he botched. I think he thought that Randy Orton messed something up and just proceeded to elbow him in the head until he actually cut his head open. Yeah, yeah just it's... a week. It was terrifying to watch. It's one of the most horrifying things I've seen in WWE. Yeah, yeah, without question. Um, it's interesting that you guys bring it up because I wasn't thinking that much actually in the way of Brock Lesnar. It's when Brock Lesnar has the build-ups to matches and he goes on a warpath destroying stuff. I've seen yeah. on more than several occasions of him just messing his timing up on certain moves or suplexes. There was one time where he tripped over uh, one of the monitors on the commentary desk and then absolutely. Yeah. Because well, I I do have Bro- I do have Brock Lesnar in mind for a very specific one, but that's going to be coming later. And when yeah. Brock Lesnar breaks, loses his voice every time he screams. Um... Yeah, <laughs> it's so amazing! It's amazing how often he just squeaks. Quick, Paul, say something stupid. <laughs> Let's do oh, this. Let's do Brock this. Lesnar. Oh, so, no, so oh, I'm sorry, I have to cut you, Sam. God, I have to get to my. <laughs> Which I I honestly think is one of the greatest historical botches. That I, and 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 one that I that actually, amongst other things, made his name. Mm-hmm. Shane McMahon, Kurt Angle. Oh, crumbs, oh yes. So to explain, the dude a Pokedex on. Shane O'Mac, Shane <laughs> yes. McMahon, the greatest wrestler in the world. <laughs> dollar, 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 dollar. <laughs> oh goodness! Here comes the money. So Shane McMahon is Vince McMahon's son. You wouldn't know it. 
Is that he? It almost feels like he's always had something to prove about actually being a wrestler because we have to preface this: he never actually trained as a wrestler when he started wrestling. Yeah. <clears throat> but then, like by a brief point later, he was doing like the spot with uh, was it Jamie Noble? Again. But hmm. it was it was the match with the cane and Jamie Noble chasing up the Titan Tron and he fell like. F- 20 oh, feet. yeah, I think that is it. Yeah, I think that's Steve Blackman. Oh, Steve oh. Blackman, sorry. Um, I did and was doing stuff like that. And, like, I mean, to be fair, people somewhat take him seriously now. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, I mean he's, like, built, he's, <laughs> he's built he's he's built his reputation enough, and God knows he's launched himself off hell in a cell enough times. <laughs> like, literally, the like the, a man who seems to have no fear, no consideration. And, and when he was younger. I think he honestly he just had a strange amount of hops. Yeah. Like like the, like even like the fact that he didn't train and yet could still do coast to coast very consistently <laughs> is ridiculous. <laughs> I think King of the Ring 2001 really exemplifies just Shane McMahon if uh, in general if you really want to kind of get a glimpse to the insanity we're talking about. I think that match yeah. against Kurt Angle yeah. really but exemplifies that. So to explain to people who don't know what we're talking about, there was a spot, a, a relatively simple but nasty spot, was that Kurt Angle was basically going to belly to belly suplex him through glass pane windows. That was it. Now, now I've, I've, I've heard conflicting reports, but from what I understand, the glass that they used was not sugar glass, which you can break easily. It's like stuntman glass. Yeah, I've been hit with sugar glass. It's like, it it's basically feels like nothing. So, yeah. now, you are correct. They were going, the original plan was to use sugar glass. But when they came to the day of, they, um, the pyrotechnics guys uh, didn't want them to use sugar glass because it would shatter when they did the opening pyro part when they open every pay-per-view back in the day. So they had replaced it with plexiglass. Yeah. So, uh, unbeknownst to Shane McMahon and Kurt Uh, Angle. I would just like to reference plexiglass also uh, to those of you in the US you may also know as Pyrex. Yes. So, that glass is not meant to break 
like that. <laughs> Pyrex's literal selling point is to say, this shit don't break. <laughs> yeah. So, Kurt Angle gets him ready to do the belly to belly suplex, and Shane McMahon bounces the fuck off it like a bird got. Dude, he goes straight white. down, like, on. He, like, he. He went straight down. The way he lands. Onto yeah. his head. Now, that's an unbelievable botch in and of itself, but it looks great. <laughs> but to top it all off, Shane McMahon, who, as we've established, has no fear or no regard for his own self or safety, whispers to Kurt Angle, do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he does. And he shatters the damn glass. Now, you think that would be all well and good, that they've done that one thing. But no, they do it again to get back out. Although this time, it happens again. He throws him at it. It doesn't It doesn't shatter. Uh, it goes for the belly belly, belly to belly. So Kurt, just in a fit of kind of, I guess, just exasperation, grabs Shane and with all of his power just yeets him out of the, uh, out of the plexiglass. It is it's a just horrifying crazy. spot. It is a horrifying spot, and it's also one of the greatest spots in the history of SmackDown. Oh, no, yeah. it definitely is. Just Without unbelievable. <gasps> you, every time I see it, I'm just... It is a miracle. It's a miracle that he didn't cut his face to hell and back. Mm, he did, I think, I believe, if I remember correctly... Shane did receive a cut on the side on the on his temple, and I believe Kurt Angle cut his arm up quite quite bad. Um, I just assume Shane McMahon is immune to all forms of damage. Yeah, <laughs> he just, just he, he he just sweats it out. Just <laughs> he constantly sweats. That's that's his coping mechanism. He just sweats. Yeah. So that that's my guy, Shane McMahon, a man who's every fan wrestler just has just. That's just kind of all... We've all kind of just internalised that one day we're going to see him die in that ring. Just... Like, this is a guy who has no reason to do any of the stuff that he does. He doesn't need to do it! (laughs) Like, he... He didn't start as a wrestler. He... They never even sold it like he ever particularly, like, wanted to be one. And then just, like, over the years, he just kept doing it. And then eventually he was like, okay... I guess he's doing this now. Oh, okay, he's launching himself across the ring. Oh, okay, he's doing a dive from the top of the stage. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> so, I guess we can go from that one to now talk about... Let's go to the funny side. Let's talk about some of our... Let's, at least two. Let's talk about two of our favourite funniest botches that we can think of off the top of our head. Um... Oh. Sorry, I know I've been talking a lot, but i got to just quickly say it. Off the top of my head, the classic one of um, the ref- of a referee trying having to get Zeb Coulter out of the way before Kane's pyro hits. Yes. Oh, oh my god, yes. That's an amazing one. <laughs> it's just like, he's there like, not realising, oh wait, hang on, hang on. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, so I'll tell you what I'll, I'll, I'll start off um, with two of my personal funny ones and there are two quite recent ones I was thinking of going to do some ones in the 90s but I don't think they're as 
they're very hard to find nowadays unless you go right back to the archive of Botchamania. But two of my personal favourites, kind of in the modern day, are very, very small, like, very, not very elongated moments. Uh, but the first one is during a Smackdown. Uh, a Smackdown, I believe it may have been 2009-2010. It was the Smackdown Live street fight between Randy Orton and Kane. And Randy Orton and Kane have now spilled out into the outside. Uh, Kane's ripped the announce table out. The monitors are out. He's setting Randy Orton up on the table to where Randy Orton then springs up back to life. Starts pummeling Kane, punching in the head while he's standing on the announce table. Takes one step, goes straight through the announce table and takes the entire announce table (laughs) with him. What I love about this is that you can see that Randy Orton completely messed up, looks like he's in pain, but then just jumps straight back up and goes, nah, 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 nah. (laughs) One of my favourite ones, I think purely because of the reaction of Randy Orton. Um, My second one, I think you guys might not know this one as well, but this was an Extreme Rules pay-per-view between Cody Rhodes and The Big Show, and I believe it might have been a table match yes it would have been a table match so big okay. show that there has been a table that's set up outside of the uh, right on the by the entrance rampway big show is coming back into the ring with cody out in the ring already prone onto the ground he gets up delivers a drop kick to big show whilst on the apron knocks him off balance and he puts his foot right through the table <laughs> i think the greatest <laughs> moment is the hard cam literally zooms in on Big Show going oh fuck I've messed up <laughs> <laughs> just I think that visual alone of Big Show just realising oh shit is <laughs> something I uh, never forget um, uh, just amazing ones so Dan that's two of your okay, favourite uh, my first one is it's a very it's a very specific kind of moment but I believe it was from an episode of SmackDown, uh, and I believe it was during a battle royale, battle royale match, or some kind of match that involved having to throw people over the top rope. Hmm. Uh, and we're left to our last two: Chris Jericho and the Great Carly. <laughs> now. If you understand the rules of how WWE's battle royals work, you have to go over the top rope. If you go underneath the top rope, or you go out through the bottom rope, or whatever, it doesn't count. You're still in. So, during the match, Chris Jericho gets thrown out by the Great Khali, goes in between the top and the middle rope, and now he's on the outside. And He's... He's not out. He's still the match is still going on, so he has to get back into the ring. And while he's doing it, the great Carly goes to chase him. Except for one thing. <laughs> the great Carly steps over the top rope to get out. And then jumps to the floor. <laughs> meaning he's eliminated. <laughs> and he hasn't realized. <laughs> and the ref doesn't know what to do. And neither yeah. does Chris Jericho, because he knows the match isn't supposed to end. <laughs> and everyone's looking on in confusion, and all the commentators are going, Great Carly's just eliminated himself. 
And like, and speaking of um, speaking <laughs> of um, over the top rope matches botches, I know we've mentioned it before. I don't care. We're mentioning it again. John Cena and Batista. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, when it comes the to the real botches... botch out of that is Vince McMahon's quads. Yep. <laughs> oh, dang it, you beat me to it, Dad. Botches within botches. Just oh man, every single time. Every single time, and I hate that they took it out. I hate that they took it out with that little remembrance thing. With yeah, Batista. I yeah. just like that's bullshit. It was a part of the match, it was a great part of it as well. I'd they argue it elevated the match. <laughs> no, I'd argue the same thing. I honestly, it honestly worked so well that <laughs> I, I honestly like, I like, no, you can't take that bit out. No, it's so great. No. <laughs> Uh, for for my second one, I'm really not sure because I know that we've got some that are going to be uh, mentioned around here and again. But uh, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go slightly off to the side because I know there's some that might be mentioned later. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the man-beast Rhino. Uh, and this is this is an incredibly small this is an incredibly small thing. It's from like an ECW show in like the near near ECW's uh, end. Hmm. Uh, the original mm-hmm. ECW that is. Yeah. Uh, when it was still based out of Philly. Uh, there's a so uh, ECW used to have a match called the Freeway Dance. Yep. Uh, it was a triple threat match except it had elimination rules. Novel concept, I know. I absolutely love it. <laughs> um, Simple but effective. Simple but effective. Really good. And I mean, like, I think it, I think it works really well. Anyway, uh, if you don't know Rhino, his finisher uh, was called the Gore. It's, it's a spear, basically. But it but it looks amazing. And because Rhino is like a compact man, it looks even more impactful. It looks like a fucking rugby tackle. And also, it's called the Gore. So... Yeah, and the only person who should ever be announcing it is Paul Haven, but that's like beside the point. Yeah, he says it better than any other person, any other commentator. Michael Cole's so bad at announcing it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they've set it up, and if I remember right, it, it someone was meant to come in and make the save on whoever was going to get gored by a Rhino into a table. Now, uh, before Edge was doing his spear and was doing the whole thing of squatting in the corner, like waiting for it to happen, Rhino used to do it. People don't realize that. Mm. Uh, and while he was there doing it, he's getting ready. Obviously, there's the person who's going to come in and make the save. The person comes in, he starts to run to do the gore, and he slips. Yeah. <laughs> And he's there, and he's like, and he's, he's just, he's going, he's just got himself up, he's about to go and do the run, put someone through the table, slips, and uh, all admiration to him, he gets back up, goes through, spears two people through the table, but my god, it looks so funny when you see it, because it looks like he takes a second to like readjust himself to get back up and do it. Um, it's so unfortunate. Oh, God. I'm honestly, I'm honestly surprised that that doesn't happen more often. <laughs> I'm so glad you reminded me of that one, Dad, because I forgot it's just about he, it. It's just he's there, and like, 
again, for those that don't know, Rhino's face, he does it. He looks like the only thing he has on his mind is putting that person through the table. He is ready to kill. Yeah. And you just see him f- slip over, his foot goes out underneath him, steadies himself with his hands, and then goes and then, like restarts from like a running start, like half a, like, a meter in front of himself from where he fell over, and then does it. <laughs> But it works. Uh, it doesn't. It, it works. It, it, it's it's so it's so great, and I'm so uh, happy that um they just they just keep it in. Uh, and I mean, so like, we are gonna get onto stuff, and we I because we mentioned ECW, I'm gonna have to men- I'm gonna have to mention it. We're gonna have to mention Sabu now. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> you see, I was one of those guys because remember, I'm 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 relatively casual. Hmm. I was one of those guys who had never heard of Sabu before WWE CW. Yeah. I was one of those guys. And so, I'm like, this guy, Sabu, and I'm like, huh, Sabu, that's a pretty cool name. What does this guy do? Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so to context Sabu, he's basically a guy who has, like, complete disregard for his own life. Yeah, he's, 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 he's basically he's like um he's Shane McMahon only worse. Oh, the reason why his nickname to, to was the, uh, the homicidal, suicidal, genocidal maniac. Yes. <laughs> now to preface this, a guy who's so high profile at messing stuff up. If I'm not incorrect, if I'm like thinking right, I believe he still performs fairly regularly now. Yes. He still does. Now. I want to talk about a very specific Sabu spot. There's a lot of stuff that he's messed up. We could probably do a whole episode on it if we catalogued every single one. We could probably make yeah. a two-parter. Yes. Yeah. Now, I want to mention a very specific spot that Sabu used to do. And <laughs> all I'm going to say is this. When it works, it looks amazing. Yes. When it goes bad, it looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now, the problem with it is, his split of bad to good was probably about 80-20, maybe 90-10. <laughs> yeah. Because I can only recall him hitting this spot maybe twice. <laughs> uh, and so, Sabu used to have a move called the Arabian Leg Drop. Basically, every single one of his moves were Arabian and then move. But, what he used to do is he used to go and grab a chair put it down in the ring, run, use the chair to then get up to the top rope and springboard and do a leg drop to a table or an announce table. (laughs) Now, there's a problem here. Doing that consistently is pretty difficult (laughs) because lots of wrestlers have trouble just doing a springboard getting themselves onto the top rope and getting themselves stable at the corner. And at the corner, the rope is a lot easier to stand on because it's basically where it's tied in. It's where it's hooked up, so you have a lot of tension. You have a lot of stuff to work with. Now, the problem with Sabu is if you you want to be like him and you want to get the elevation, you've got to go in the middle. (laughs) It's like a a bungee rope. If you're in the middle, you're going to get the most height, the most jump. That's why when people are doing springboard moves, like I've, most of the lucha wrestlers do it, they do it from the middle and not from the edges like AJ Styles uh, or other people when they do their moves. Because they don't really need elevation, they just need to get up and do it and make it look cool. Hmm. 
Now imagine the difficulty of doing a springboard from the middle of the rope with momentum. He's running and jumping at this rope, but he doesn't just jump off straight away. He stops himself. So he has to balance on that rope. Now, <laughs> he couldn't do this consistently. <laughs> <laughs> and so it led to multiple occasions of him going and trying to do it and messing up, falling off the ropes, falling onto the apron, falling backwards. Uh, in one incident, he fell backward onto the chair. Oh, God, I remember that one. Yeah, that he set up for himself. I've seen that one, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there are multiple instances where he tried to do the leg drop and either A, completely missed the table and landed on the steel barricade around the old ECW arena. Mm. Uh, there were multiple occasions where he completely missed it and landed not with a leg drop, but basically dropping the small of his back onto the person on the table. Uh, there were also times where he landed short and completely missed the table, and his leg hit the table, and they didn't go. They didn't go through. Yeah. Like I said, about a ninety ten split. And just the weird thing is, just the like the only one I time I remember him actually hitting this ECW one night stand two thousand five against John Cena. Yeah. Jesus. If I recall correctly, then isn't Sabu so infamous that there is an entire term called Sabu Table? Is <laughs> I think you're guy? right. Is he there the probably guy? is. I wouldn't because... be surprised if there's a thing in the industry called doing a Sabu where you completely mess up your own move. Guess I did a homer. Yeah, I know that there is someone, and I think it is Sabu because he's so infamous for having the worst luck regarding tables. Let's well, forget. I mean, so it, it so it's a whole thing that I I kind of said to these guys about where like my my personal favorite genre of botch is the table spot where the table doesn't break. Oh yeah, I'm the table. Because like for a lot of it see it seems to be a thing in indie promotions um uh, across the UK and also in Japan. Um the tables just don't seem to break. <laughs> Because they're designed to be tables, that's the thing. Whereas uh, yeah, like, in America, the, the they're problem, gimmicks. The problem is they use actual tables. Yeah. And in, in America, it's like, here's a piece of like plywood. It's got two metal legs on the other side of it. You touch it, it breaks. Um, but like, there's just, there's just a whole entire back catalogue. You go through and watch the Botchamania videos. That's our recommendation corner. Go and watch Botchamania. There's like 418 yeah. of them. Um and just, there are so many occasions where someone like tries to do a powerbomb for a table and the person just stops on the table and the person keeps moving <laughs> yeah. and you can see their knees cry out in horror. Oh, yep. Oh. Uh, you reminded me actually, Dad, of, uh, of a very infamous one I saw very recently. I was at Progress Hello Wembley back in 2018. And I think if anyone knows where I'm going with this, who was at that show, it was Eddie Dennis versus Mark Andrews and they had a a uh, table, uh, table and ladder spot where they had one of the giant, like, 15 to uh, 16 foot ladders they use for those big, like, Hardy, like, Jeff Hardy spots. So yeah. they've set up one of the tables there. Uh, Mark Andrews has gone and kind of, like, sent on bombs off the top of it. Um, it's hit Eddie, but he's the tables no-sold, both of them. And, uh, and basically kind of like whiplash Mark Andrews' neck 
and it looked pretty horrifying. I mean, I was there and I saw it, and it. All right, I I know I know that 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 thing happening is terrible, but can I just say I love the concept of you say saying it like the table no sold. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the the table literally no sold. The table was like no, not selling it for you wasn't good enough. But uh, no, it's 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 silly how that happens. Uh, but no, I agree with you that like t- like table table botches are like some of my guilty pleasures, especially on Botchamania as well. So now that we've talked about like some of them, and I'm glad you brought up Sabu as well, really, because it kind of segues into our this this next little bit of even though they are funny to watch, there sometimes when it does go, it can get fishy, um, and it does end up being. Uh, very bad for either one or both of the wrestlers inside the ring um and this is where we come to very dangerous botches i mean i guess the best examples i can have of these that have unfortunately either injured or shortened the careers of the wrestlers in question um stone cold steve austin yeah um the unfortunate um uh, uh sit out tombstone that owen hart had uh had, had given to uh, Austin landed right on his head um, and it's and it's it's there's a sense of irony in that one is because Austin did the exact same spot back in 1993 to Masahiro Chono at a New Japan show and that severely shortened um, Chono's career and in-ring style very much the same as it did with Austin so there is a cruel sense of irony yeah. in that one uh, the yeah. next one, of course, is the um, the Royal Rumble 1998 Taker versus Shawn Michaels in the casting match. Oh God, match, yes! Where um, he kind of back body dropped uh, Michaels right on the small of his back on the edge of the casket, and then proceeded to have so many lower back problems that very sh- that kind of retired him for a number of years. Just to quickly touch up on that, I remember reading about. Um... Him, him saying about like selling and he's saying like the only thing I don't need to sell is is whenever they do a move on my back it actually every every time you see me in pain I am in pain <laughs> yeah. uh, I would just like to mention one quick one for dangerous botches hmm. uh, and I would like to mention the Brock Lesnar shooting star press oh crumbs yeah I think Jesus. a lot of that has I mean that has to be mentioned purely because if it was any other um, average wrestler I think they would have been dead but because it's Brock Lesnar, I think the fact that he is such a beast of a man, and um, you see his shoulders such and how a giant wide he is, neck. that he, I think his neck kind of helped him survive that botch. Yeah, so, it was just a, it was a complete mess. Got the rotation completely wrong. Didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of people were saying that he got um, his shape wrong in approaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was kind of. They said like, "Oh yeah, from the moment I saw him get on there and how he shaped up, he was gonna he was gonna mess it up." Yeah, I think it was easy but... for Brock to do that five minutes into a match, but the fact that he hadn't have performed that since his dark match days and in OVW, um, and the fact that he was twenty minutes into a match and looked pretty gassed at that point, I think that was that's just a combination of of very risky things um, to do. I mean, there's a reason why it is called high risk maneuvers. Um, but even yeah. more so in that regard. But uh, if you've ever seen Brock pull off a shooting star press back in those days, it's a beauty to behold of a man that size being able to do that. Oh yeah. Uh, but uh, on that day, 
what would have been an amazing end spot to that match ended up being absolutely horrifying. Right, one more quick dangerous one that I like to mention, um, but is also actually really funny because I want to kind of bring it up for lightheartedness. It was a WWF Superstars, I remember, back in the mid-90s. And it was the one, two, three kid versus a jobber who a jobber who kind of looked like Johnny Ace back in the day. So the 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 spot the spot is that um, one, two, three kid leapfrogs over the jobber. The jobber hits the ropes. He comes back to one, two, three kid. He sweeps the legs, and the jobber jumps, goes through the middle rope, but instead of landing kind of on the apron, he just oh eats himself God, straight yes. out. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I completely didn't. I like literally in my head. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then you mention it, and I was like, Oh, this is the one where the guy completely lengthens himself through <laughs> yes. the middle rope. Riddle, if you've not seen it, I implore you to watch oh, it. I need to find it and send it to you. Riddle, it's, it's, yeah, it's I've hilarious. Never, I've never heard that one. If someone sends it to me, I will watch. It. I'm gonna find it now. <laughs> Whilst Dad is doing that, then I am gonna round this up then to conclude with uh, with all of us. What is your personal favorite botch and i'm going to start with you read and what is your personal favorite botch i think you've already may have mentioned it but uh yeah i mean like uh, the botches i've mentioned have been kind of on the good side of things and you know i mean but honestly for some strange reason i always think of um of the referee taking away zev Colt. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's just you know what I think it is. It's something that you don't quite realize is dangerous. <laughs> exactly. Like it, it's stupid because it's <clears throat> fire, and you realize it's fire. <laughs> but it's only at that moment that you kind of like, oh yeah, that is fire right next to the wrestlers. <laughs> Dad, what is your personal favorite botch? Alright, I'm going lighthearted. Uh, I <clears throat> I have a feeling that me and you, Sam, we might end up on the same point. Mm. Uh, but if we do, then we do. That's fine. <laughs> Backstage segment. Yeah. WWE Smackdown. <laughs> As I'm trying to remember exactly who is in it, but it doesn't matter because the octopus Cena, person Edge, here. And Mysterio, I believe. Cena, Edge, and Mysterio, but Mr. Rey Mysterio is the operative person here. Uh, Cena and Edge are talking. Rey Mysterio comes along in the background and starts doing pull-ups in a bar that's in his locker space. He does like two, and then the 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 pull-up bar just immediately like drops out from underneath him, and it looks hilarious. And the fact that Cena and Edge are just there, and they know they can't laugh. Uh, I, think, I love it so much. <laughs> if I remember rightly, I think John Cena says "Holy hell" as Rey Mysterio <laughs> falls to the ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the amazing part of that is that was an uh, that was an outtake that was never meant to be uh, shown uh, on a recording of SmackDown, but somehow made it into. Uh, I believe it was during probably might have been during a Superstars uh, segment or Velocity segment. Um, <laughs> it somehow ended up being Sorry. there. Wow. Sorry, I got it. Sorry, I got it wrong. He's not even. He's not even doing it on a pull-up bar. He's just doing it on a cabinet. Oh yes, he is, isn't he? It's just on a shelf. This is This is at the beginning of yeah. Rey Mysterio's uh, WWE career. So this this could have been. Yeah. A, this is and a side of things to come. There's, <laughs> there's, 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 there, I, I just, 
I'm sorry, I had to go back and watch it now. And oh, it's oh. Edge, and it's Edge, and he's 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 so close to laughing, but does his best to keep his face out of frame and just walks off to the side. Yep. <laughs> uh, while, while we're on the subject, really quickly, another Rey Mysterio one. That <laughs> time where back when um Rey Mysterio used to do the big leap out. Oh yeah. And it didn't happen. So he had to basically it was never shown like, on the camera, but he basically had to crawl out of a pit. Yep. Of the entrance. And but and you but you know it screwed up because the look, way the look he has is a deer in the headlights and he just goes down the ring. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thus then I guess concludes this episode of the Sweet Chinwag and Best Botches, and I couldn't think of a better way to read that one. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a laugh. It's been quite a laugh, as was the last episode for sure. Ah, <sighs> got to cool down now after that and rest my jaw <laughs> from laughing yeah. so much. Um, so next week's episode is, I think this is a nerd out episode if there ever has been one uh, on the on the Sweet Chinwag podcast. It is simply titled "We Love." Jim Johnson, our favourite WWE entrance themes. Alright, be prepared for me to just talk about Batista's theme for like 30 minutes. <laughs> hey. This is going to be such a fun one considering two out of the three play mu- play a musical instrument, so this is going to be great. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think we need to have a, a Spotify playlist sorted beforehand. I've got a big ass smile on my face, not that anyone can see it right now. Oh, here we go. <laughs> So, oh baby oh baby <laughs> oh man so that is something to look forward to but until then my name is sam this has been rhythm and dan and you have been listening to the sweet chinwag podcast we will see you on the next one Goodbye. go watch singara bye